Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Hello everyone and welcome to the Housewives Archives, a podcast where we discuss in great depth all things Real Housewives. My name is James Evans, and joining me from the Borgata Hotel, Casino, and Spa, it's my co-host, Ellie Nunn. Hi, Andy. <laughs> hey, Ellie. Looking good. New nose? <laughs> You've been tweaked and plucked. Your Andy Cohen is uncanny. It's very good. Thank you. Have you been, have you been working on your impressions by any chance to come in with full confidence? Because I've crumbled. Yeah, you are a shell of your former self, but you've been working. <laughs> in fairness, I've done nothing. So I've just carried on being on holiday. Woohoo. How was, uh, how was getting home? So I really enjoyed our last episode, but my God, the sound quality was terrible. So I hope I know, everyone's I'm enjoying so- the, the crisp, <laughs> the crisp cleanness of our voices this episode. <laughs> yeah, um, seriously, apologies. Basically, long story short, we were recording in our Airbnb. It was lovely, but it was very echoey. And then we were broken into and Tom confronted the burglar and then he had to go have eye surgery. And then my son <laughs> his car five times. It's, it's a whole thing. It's is a whole thing. <laughs> so yes i do feel partly responsible considering that we had what i would term a a mini argument over the recording and i won that argument by being like james just put your microphone in the middle of the table and be fine mia culpa entirely i'm glad thank you no that's that's all good it's all good it's it's all in the i know you think it's my fault (laughs) (laughs) and i didn't i didn't say anything but then i like that the next day i was like have i ever mansplained to you and to be fair you were like no but then you basically implied that i was pretty close to it when we had this discussion about the microphone no i didn't i didn't i didn't say that it was mansplaining i was just saying i didn't understand i think that's it was something where you were sure that you were right and I was sure that I was mm-hmm. right. I don't it think either of us were right. No. <laughs> but I definitely think I'm responsible for how poor the sound was. <laughs> I had no better scenario. I just think it was just like set up to fail from the very beginning. If you couldn't tell, neither of us are audio engineers. We were both quite manic on that holiday. I feel like we were quite like a sort of married married couple. In we were just like an old of... retired couple. Just yeah, sort yeah. of like around each other <laughs> like all the time. Like bickering over the remote. Like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was in a weird frame of mind, I must say. And I spent one more day by myself and then I went home and I flew home with the worst hangover I've probably had in a good (gasps) five years which kind of felt appropriate I just felt very grubby it was a very grubby end to what was a slightly grubby trip because I went to (laughs) oh no No, but it was just that thing of feeling very rudderless throughout the whole time. Just like eating and drinking and doing pure leisure the whole time. I haven't done for quite a while now. And I think it just all caught up to me. I'm not in my 20s anymore. 30s really hit me like a ton of bricks. And I'm not built like I used to be. And the problem is, is that our last night... 
I dragged my host and his boyfriend to the Abbey for one last time. So just to be clear, your host was your friend, not our Airbnb host, because that would have been no, 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 no. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I sought out Critifer again and then dragged him. Oh, yeah, <laughs> no, no, no. And basically, because we went to the Abbey after Pump, I don't think we mentioned this before. And because we, we went- should probably be clear that the Abbey is a right. gay bar, not like a religious experience. <laughs> we went, I paid our respects. <laughs> We had the sacrament to Lisa Vanderpump, patron saint of well, we, manipulation. James was never going to go if it was a religious place because you're never going to have the runs in church. I know. I got the runs. So yes, the Abbey is a fairly well-known, I feel like it's fairly well-known gay bar in LA. I think it's the place to be. Sure. And you would be forgiven for not thinking that when we went because because it was straight after dinner. It was about eight o'clock in the evening. So of course there was no one there. <laughs> It was very much like the B team working there. You knew it was early by the fact that the dancers were warming, were stretching. They were warming up. Yeah, they couldn't they even They weren't be even dancing. We were like sat there they front were, row. They were like planking. <laughs> any, ready any minute now. Had our dollar bills ready for the tips. and they me, were with, just me with stretching. my Shirley Temple. <laughs> I had gone in like Lisa Vanderpump cosplay. So we were just like at this gay bar and I was there in stilettos and like a blazer. And I looked like I'd just come from a work event. But you were set up well, you and Tyrone, you both pulled the guys in. I didn't get anyone because you, you pulled the punters in with your Camille dance moves. I did, but I didn't attract the punters I wanted, James. I think if you remember, it was like an incredibly creepy six-year-old man who was whispering in my ear. It was, if I remember, it was Aviva's dad whispering in your ear, probably. (laughs) about his Viagra semi. Yeah, we both pulled people we did not want anywhere near us, so. <laughs> I would have taken them. I'm not club ready. And yeah. I, <laughs> You're not picky. I don't, I don't, I'm not picky at all, although I did. So anyway, my point being, the next time I went to the Abbey, it was in full swing. It was like night and day. It was very, very busy. And I made friends with some people and they were, I was really invested in this couple that's very unlike me, but it was a straight couple, a man and a woman, obviously. And they, there's <laughs> <laughs> a man and a lady dog. And they, they were gorgeous, absolutely stunning couple. And you could tell that she brought this guy here as a test. And by God, it was trial by fury because the Abbey at two in the morning on a Friday is mm. very intense. And he was a really good sport about it. And he was talking to Aviva's dad. He was taking his top <laughs> off because people were asking him to. He's really good about it. And then the girl was trying to dance with me and talking to me. And I said to her, look, are you two together? Or are you just friends? And she said, we're together, but I don't know. It's... And so I was like, come with me. Is she English? No, she's from the Bay Area. They're both from the Bay Area. She's a paralegal. Okay. He works in a white collar job in construction. <laughs> they've both been in relationships they i leave you for one night like <laughs> i know i was like okay honey i was very andy cohen i was like tell me everything i, I wanted to yeah. get to the bottom of it and it's a whole it's a whole thing he was it's dating thing. she was dating they've always meant to be together but the timing was never right she's scared she doesn't want to get her heart broken but it's, sometimes you just got to take a leap into the unknown james how did we get onto this what happened i don't know i digress like- <laughs> matt annalise if you're listening right now i hope you had great sex that night because I just sent them on their way to pump. No, to Tom Tom. Sorry. I thought that was you were saying you sent them on their way to fuck. Pretty much. I sent them on their way to pump. <laughs> to pump fuck, whatever you want to call it. To Tom Tom. I don't know. I'm not picky. Whatever verb right. you want to ascribe. <laughs> as long as the deed was done. James, what was the point of the story? No point. Let's. Should we just dive into oh it? Oh my god. <laughs> I just wanted to tell you about my holiday. Right. Well, I found the trip very restorative. Okay. Is all I'm going to say. 
Uh, how was your last two weeks? Oh, no one cares. I did a workshop. It was intense. I did lots of grinding on people and writhing around on the floor. It was, it was, it was a whole thing. It's a whole. It was. I just. I can't. Well, speaking of something that's a whole thing. Exactly. Shall we talk about the posh talk about fashion Strip-a-Gate. show, Strippergate, the whole kit and caboodle? Wonderful. So, considering how seismic this moment was in the history of New Jersey, and it's something that kind of like haunts Melissa to this day, you'd be forgiven for forgetting that the whole conceit is some of the most poorly produced, oh my god, ill-acted machinations we've ever seen on the show. It's the kind of like blatantly... If you were, if you were to watch this, having not watched Housewives, if I had picked this as a moment, let's say, let's imagine a world where I have a boyfriend, mm. <laughs> and I want to show them why I love Real Housewives... And I happen to accidentally play them a bit from this episode, they would be justified in being like, this is the most like fake set up TV. Like, how can this be your favorite show? And they would be right. It, they would. And especially if you're it saying. It doesn't mean it's not full of like golden moments. No, I love it I love. completely. Yeah. But it's not Housewives at its most authentic, almost docudrama true self. Yeah. Considering, especially because Teresa's in this scene. And if you've heard, oh no, this is Teresa. She's the ultimate housewife, the table flip, Danielle. And then you just see the scene of her being like, ah, ah. <laughs> and you're like, what? It's the kind of the way you have your hands when you do that makes you look like a little T Rex. Right? It was I had my my pinky resting on each <laughs> on your nipple, nipples, both of them. I immediately went there. God, the Abby's really changed you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm free and loose and wild now. <laughs> I'm working on relationships. I'm I'm doing it. You're available for calls, right? So it's it's very Lisa Barlow. I think is the whole. It's like the kind of like mm, amateurish, yes. blatant instigation yes. that's very transparent, and it's. So you even see that in the the setting, like this so-called salon that they go to. Salon? It's it's <laughs> salon <laughs> to the salon. I've just had this for two weeks. Basically, one of the characters in this thing we were workshopping was called the Madame. Spelled M-A-D-A-M-E. Mm-hmm. Now the E at the end means it's Madame. Right. Mm-hmm. But because people kept saying the Madame. I got very self-conscious that if I ever said madame, it was like, the madame, <laughs> And so every time I went to talk about this character, I'd like have a little like personal identity to be like, the madame, madame. <laughs> <laughs> quite commit. It's a, again, it was like a Macy Maisie exactly. situation. You, you just can't Don't. commit. <laughs> I'm never, I'm never going to escape the fact that I was calling my best friend the wrong name for the Outed first year the of podcast. our friendship. Woo! Uh, okay. Like, I cannot believe that this salon is... A legitimate business that exists it's and is like profitable. It's like a set. It's completely a set. It's like they've gone into the warehouse from Saw and then like bought a load of satin <laughs> and tassels and like gone to the haberdashery store. Literally. And then staple gunned it. Just it on haphazardly. <laughs> I mean, just to put it in perspective, I used to work next to a gay bathhouse in Vauxhall that was owned by a lovely Latvian married couple. This place looks worse than that place. And that was pretty fucking grim. So I've heard. Right. But even the fact that the only bit that seems to be like the salon is like upstairs, where they've effectively just put two chairs in front of a mirror, which is borderline like balanced up against, excuse me, it's borderline (laughs) balanced up against the set. We're moving on. I can't. If we stopped (laughs) for every time I burped on the show, like, yeah, there's like, exactly like you say, there's like satin sort of like 
sticky taped up yeah. for Angelo to kind of walk in and out of the speed of kind. And then it's like they're going, oh, what will make it seem real is that he's like bringing champagne as if it's like a VIP service. And it's not champagne. It's Carver at best. It's Asti. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> God, I don't drink. And every time I turn up at something and someone's like, we bought you a bottle of schlur, I'm just like... For anyone who doesn't drink, it's horrible. So sweet. And it's like saying we got you some Vimto. For God's sake, anyone listening, just get some tonic water in. I haven't... Because in my head, I haven't shut the idea that schlur's really fancy because it was the kind of thing I would drink as a child on like a special occasion, on like a New Year's Eve do when I was 12. So it's the height of sophistication (laughs) and it still is. But this salon, not just the look of it, like the haberdashery and everything, but also the fact that there doesn't seem to be a single female working there whatsoever. It's... It's occupied entirely and exclusively by gangsters. <laughs> it's Danny Provenzano's side hustle. It's like, exa- yeah, they all look like they should be down at the brownstone fucking up a baby's cancer fundraiser. It's like Chateau 2. It's just called like Chateau. It's sh- That was good. Chateau. <laughs> More like shit too, am I right? Okay, I think th- this still has legs. Let- let's keep going. <laughs> Let's flog it till it dies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what we do here. Exactly. Like, shit who? Uh, <laughs> it is Chateau on crack, for sure. Right. It's honestly But also, dreadful. it's this thing that, like, the posh fashion show each year, they need them all to be there, but often they're all kind of fighting by that point, or they all hate Kim D. So mm-hmm. every year they have to come up with a reason why all the women can't miss the posh fashion show, because it's like such a big event, but it's such a shit event. I know. <laughs> it's like, they all have to talk like it's the fucking Oscars every year and be like, it's the posh fashion show coming up. And <laughs> Even Caroline, I always wonder how much they had to pay her oh to get her God. in season three to be like, hello, posh fashion show. What are we, as if it is like the Oscars like, or something exactly yeah. like what are you talking about <laughs> so kim d is like promising to reason the world with this like vip treatment that means taking her to this weird set i think that is the first red flag isn't it that it's somewhere that kim d knows like kim d knows the owners so we know it's not going to be a reputable business but it's not even a red flag like kim d is so she's such a kind of oxymoron of she's so good at her job and so bad at her job she's good at her job because she relentlessly brings the drama to the show Mm -hmm. but she's so bad at even pretending to cover it right and in this episode it's just like one of the worst performances you've ever seen and the way she sets up, like bringing Teresa to the salon, introducing her to Angelo, bringing Angelo back into the room, the question she she's just, she's a terrible, terrible actress. Terrible actress. And it's infectious. And you know that Teresa is really rattled because she then falls into that nervous tick that people do of like, oh, this is nice. Oh, we're going to have a nice time. It's going to be, it's going to be a nice night. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Well, it's so weird because it's like, why wouldn't, Teresa's always going to want to be made up at home and to have, like, people come. Why would you ever choose to go and get ready somewhere else? No, it's not your home. It's not Chateau. Where people can come and make you look nice. Like, Kim D has her own salon as well. It's just very, yeah, it's oh very God, grubby. Exactly. It's so... It's so stupid. And it's grubby and it's, like, such a step down and it's... 
Anyway, it's just weird. It's a weird vibe. I think we're spending too long on this. I, I think it's always important. we're going to end up having to do like another part, and I'm not doing it. <laughs> no, we're so not. come on, um, we need. To I just I have to mention the fact along. we have to, and we will move along. This is just going to be a brief point. We have to mention the fact that between the beginning of this season and the end, Kim D has opted to try out some hair extensions. So she's exchanged the back of a skunk look for this like long blonde mane. And I think Caroline or someone calls her Barbie, which is quite a charitable assessment. Not to like look shame, but the back of a skunk look, I think, was quite severe. James, it wasn't, it wasn't the back of a skunk. Wait, what is it? it? The back, back of, okay. <laughs> it was, the, the back of her head looked like a skunk. Sorry, the back of her, yeah, so the back of her hair looked like a skunk and then it was like very up and pointed at the back and it was blonde on top Your and then very dark in yeah. the back yeah yeah the My, classy look that you were aspiring to that yeah, i yeah. did for the school fashion show yeah and i thought it looked great on yes. her and i thought it looked great on her because it's quite severe but then also so is kim d so then having this beautiful long flowing mane of hair coming out of kim d it's just like too much of a contrast and i think that the softness of her new do it sort of emphasizes the inherent skeletalness of Kim D in some way. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Do you remember those videos back in the day when we were at school where it was like, stare at this video and it would be like a lovely Oh my vi- god, I know and then like exactly a big scary demon would like about. come out and yell at you. <laughs> That's what Kim D looks like. It's very like something from Tales from the oh Crypt comes god. in. <laughs> that I know it's not- exactly God, someone sent me one of those once where, when I was at school and it was like, spot the difference. And it was like two pictures of like a valley with a waterfall or whatever. So you're like mm-hmm. getting really close. And then the demon thing popped up and I literally fell off my chair. That's how they get I you. I hate mm-hmm. getting scared. I bet Kim D modeled for those. She must anyway, <laughs> or it was those ones where it was send where it was like, if you don't send this email on, your whole family exactly. will die. And it'd be like a hospital room where under the bed, there was like a person lying looking at Kim you. D and Danielle. <laughs> <laughs> I used to be a model for demons back in the eighties. <laughs> it's like a side hustle. It was more burlesque demons back in the. <laughs> anyway, it's our obligatory Danielle reference done. So I know. Talk about flogging a horse to death. So they go to this weird sleazy salon where we meet Angelo, and the guy's literally in like a faux kind of satin shirt with his necklace on and his like shiny the like the the yeah, very studio shiny. like bouncing off the top of his head like, yeah it's, it's just greasy he looks like he's general. just like greased up in oil yeah when i have i already said this on the podcast if i have i can't believe this story's coming up again but one of the most amazing things i ever saw was an act at a comedy show thing where this guy came on and danced to austin powers and he was wearing a tuxedo and as the music carried on, he took off the tuxedo and covered himself in oil and then climbed inside a giant balloon. And then he did a countdown from five. And on one, he put his head inside the balloon. And after one, the balloon popped and he was fully dressed as Santa Claus. <laughs> Where was this? <laughs> Is this the box? Was... No. The salon? No, it was... <laughs> what? It was... <laughs> It was at the horn section. Anyway, it was honestly... <laughs> I, like, it was. I still okay. think about it all the time. But the guy looked really like Angelo. And I, partly because he was like covered in oil. And he was just very like slicked and bald. Right. And I think Angelo should take note. Maybe he should do that as a party trick as well. The fact that he's the PR manager as well. It's like, what PR? Don't. Just, For what? Just shut up. Everyone shut up. Like, this is such... It's a racket. This is a drug dealing joint. He looks like a snake. He, or like a lizard or like a reptile. Yeah. Exactly. So Teresa and Kim D are sat upstairs in their salon chairs drinking their very clearly like lukewarm carver. Mm. 
or is it that Angelo brings them the drinks? Yes. And then he he has the stagiest opening line. Like he can't even work out how to like make chit chat. Yeah. <laughs> One of the tricks with housewives is they're like, how do we have a conversation where the thing gets brought up that's the buzzword that can get us right into the thing? He doesn't know how to do that, so he literally walks in and then is just like, um, I must say. Teresa, it's uh, a spot. I must say, it's such a funny opener. I must say, yeah. As if someone said something to him. I must say, Teresa, it's a it's a small world. Yeah, everyone I pipe down know. now. I have something I need to say. I, I need actually to... know your sister in law, and Teresa's like, ah, oh, what? Uh, yeah, yeah. She uh, she she actually used to work for me at a. As a dancer. What does he say? At a little... I think he said... Did she... I may be wrong. I think he didn't say work. I thought he said dance for me. She used to dance for me. I think she used to dance for me. At a little gentleman's club in Elizabeth. That's it! At a little (laughs) gentleman's club. So good. He's like... He's been practicing all night. He's like... Been sitting there and he's like... "Um, Yeah, I must say I... I, Yeah. I I must say I know your sister-in-law. She uh, she used to... Yeah, yeah. It's funny actually. She used to... uh, <laughs> no, hang on. What is it? Yeah, she used to dance for me at a little. <laughs> yeah, it's very. Um, you're talking to me. You're talking to me. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I must say. Uh, hey, oh, oh, Teresa. Yeah, yeah. I must say. Uh, oh. oh, I know Melissa. Oh, yeah. yeah, I um. But, uh, yeah, Melissa. Melissa. Little yeah. little, oh. uh, little uh, gentleman's club. Uh, Elizabeth. <laughs> <laughs> very good um, oh, it's dear. the specificity again of elizabeth that i love about new jersey these places we know nothing about we'll never see but the fact that it's elizabeth it's like comedy is all about specificity and i feel like this is a good textbook example of that it would have less of a punch. comedy is clarity totally i always used to say with my friend rob that like every joke is made funnier if you say the name of the place in it so absolutely it's always funnier if you're a bit like oh well i did see a you know I did say a production of Journey's End once in Hull. Like, exactly, It's just yeah, made yeah. funnier when you say the place. Car isn't funny. A Honda Accord is funny. There you go. Yeah. People are howling right now, I hope. Ha, 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 ha. Ha, Yeah. Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> so, yeah. So, he says that. And Teresa, yeah, it's just. She's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> And then does Kim D then start digging or does he immediately no, take- No, Kim D's doing that thing of being like, ah, oh. oh. like she's just so, like she's oh. so bad. Ah, oh. <laughs> really? Oh, whatever. Oh, I want to so, hear this. <laughs> so oh, he leaves. Oops. Oopsie. Um, oops. But, so Kim, D, <laughs> Kim D's there being like, trying to do the whole acting with Teresa of being like, Basically being like, what's your luck at that? Like, what? I don't know. What a turn up for the books. (laughs) Patty and Selma over there. (laughs) And Teresa sort of bothers to try and be a bit like, it makes me uncomfortable, you know, or whatever. But then Teresa keeps being like, it's not his fault. Like, he he doesn't work. And it's that's part of what's so bad about the performances. It's Teresa. Teresa never says anything isn't someone's fault. So the fact that she's so quick to immediately be being like, I mean, he just works. Like, he was just passing me because he thought I knew or whatever. It's like, why are you immediately defending this, like, slimy... It's so weird. Yeah, she's so forgiving about someone you have no stock in. She's immediately like, he didn't know exactly. He Where it's like, anyone else says anything to Teresa and she's always going to assume the worst. But fucking Angelo comes in and she's like, oh, like, you know what? It's not his fault. 
He's misunderstood. Like, I He's misunderstood. Exactly. Someone was telling so, him something. Some, and maybe you had something to do with it. Uh, so, so then he comes back Kim in. Kim D call him back in. And Kim D then keeps... Teresa's sort of very half-heartedly being like, I'm uncomfortable talking about this. And Kim D just keeps being like, yeah, but I need to know. Like, when when was it? When did you dance? And I think everything's just very half-hearted because I think Teresa's like, I, I, I need so to leave the room, but like half gets but out I'm of the chair stand and just, just like, outside yeah. it. Like, yeah, okay. exactly. She just needs to do like enough to be able to say that she protested, or enough to be able to be like, I, right. I left the room. I yeah. mean, I wa- I wasn't even there. It's a classic Tamra Judge move to do something bad mm, and then to and eventually admit to it, but report it and ever so slightly change the facts. So mm-hmm. I think Teresa makes out that it's like, she was like, no, I can possibly hear this. Stop! And then ran exactly. out of the room a la Kyle in Amsterdam, which was very much not the case. Maybe a little bit reminiscent as well of Lisa Vanderpump's, um, no, no, don't bring up the dog. Don't bring no, don't talk about the dog. No, don't put the dog away. <laughs> Teddy, avert your eyes! No! (laughs) I won't hear of it! (laughs) Right. Uh. Anyway. So, so Kim D has invited Melissa. They're fighting. They're having their own, like, B-story fight. What's going on? Because Kim D's been, like, trashing Joe Gorgo's business or something? Or... I can't remember, but they've had a phone call where Kim D's had to like do another kind of like, I'm sorry if you're upset. If you're upset. <laughs> like, I stop doing whatever I said. Do just come to the oh, fashion show. God. We have a nice night or whatever. What a Having card. another Ramona apology. <laughs> yeah. And Melissa's agreed to come. So they all arrive at the fashion show, and Kim D is laying it on so thick that even Melissa has a talking head where she's just like. I'm Kim Z. Like, where's my cocktail? Where's my thing? And she's just like, oh, she's just it's a lot. And Kim D's there being like, oh, you look sexy, sexy mama. Oh, and it's just like, oh, you're so annoying. She has a good reason, though, to be feeling her oats tonight because I have to say, I have to say, she's really upped her game. Oh my God. For this fashion show, it's definitely a step up from the North Jersey Country Club. It's in like a trendy Cuban restaurant, it's in Manhattan, sure. it's by the water, the fashions. Don't look like Ish. they're just the bottom of Ashley's wardrobe. It's hardly Louis Vuitton. Well, even Kim D makes mistakes. Who else is there? We've got Joe Judas's brother who looks just like Joe Judas. That's nice and confusing B story that's there. And yeah. Caroline and Jacqueline turning up where Caroline has this incredibly human moment of just being like furious about the traffic. An hour it took us to get here. An hour. <laughs> it's like the most I ever really feel the pain where it's just like, the way she comes in and she just like can't talk about anything else, which is like, right. because they live up the road, like her sons live up the road and yet it's taken them like an hour to go on the block. And she's just in that mode where you're really frazzled from a car journey. And it's one of those things where it's like, you have to tell everyone because it's the most important thing in the world right now. But a story about having a bad commute or a bad flight no or a bad cares. night's sleep, it's the most boring story, but you have to tell it regardless, obsessively. We've all been there. Not the most boring. The most boring is when someone's like, oh my God, I had the craziest dream last night. And I'm like, yeah, dreams. I don't care. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tell me more. Mm-hmm. Mm. So... It does make me very nostalgic. It feels a bit like Melissa's Christmas party and that I don't know, something about this scene and they're all in on their blackberries and the fashions and the cocktails. Oh no, it doesn't do that for me. It definitely oh, it doesn't makes, make me oh, it doesn't make so me. So ten years ago. Oh, it just feels like I know, a simple time. Wanna... No masks. Yeah. Oh. 
You should come to England. There's no masks here. Oh. <laughs> uh, so they're all sat in this booth. I mean, I don't, I want, I'm aware I don't want to just do the thing of like narrating the scene and I want to move through it quite fast. But basically, as they're all sort of in the, the flow, oh, we missed my favourite moment of the whole episode. When Kim D comes over to talk and she's being like, I'm going to be right over there. I'm going to be right at the table next to her, whatever. And then she does. In fact, I don't even know if it's if it comes at that moment or if it comes later in the show. Hang on. Molly! Sometimes I have to talk to Molly as Kim D. <laughs> Kim D does the most evil smile. And it's like it's like it's caught. I'm really sad it's a podcast so that you can't see. Yeah, describe it to it. us. <laughs> but this moment when she's like talking and then she's like, okay. It's like it's this. very it's like the Grinch but very coy. I love that I just did it, even though I just said it's a podcast. But there's like yeah. a silence where I just did a smile as if people could hear what I was doing. So I was trying to do audio description. So that's how Okay, you like, do exactly. I took it as like very shouldery and it's very kind of yeah. like you put your your like index finger into your cheek and be it's very like kind of Shirley Temple, but like chaotic evil version. It's very like, ooh, oops. I want to find it and make a gif of it or like a boomerang. Right. Ooh. We'll post it. Exactly. We'll post so, it on Insta. Continuing the vein of Angelo being the worst actor ever. Yeah. He comes over to the table and introduces himself to Melissa. And Teresa's like having a little mini heart attack. I don't even know how to talk about this whole section because it is so badly done. I feel like the whole thing is a setup. But it almost feels like it's a setup to take Teresa down or make Teresa look bad. Because the interaction when Angelo comes to the table and the way that Melissa talks to him, it's like she's acting really badly as well. And not even from a place of guilt or anything, but just that sense of, he's like, hi, Melissa, right? And she's like, yeah. And he goes, oh, you you don't remember me? And she's like, uh-huh. I just and then when he leaves, she just like lays it on very thick with like, I I think I know him, but I can't place him. It's just so weird. Like I definitely know him, huh? Yeah. But where could he be from? It almost feels like <laughs> she has a part to play in this. It doesn't feel like an authentic thing of like, what was that all about? Yeah, I, I agree with you. She kind of like really takes it and goes with it. It's kind of strange. And then we just get this kind of. We we then cut to this supposedly like hot mic moment where Angelo is at the other side of the restaurant and he's talking to some random woman and he's sort of bragging about this whole setup to this woman. And he's like, oh, I just went up and I was like, you remember me, right? Yeah, it's very... Like, and what's funny is Teresa was in on it. <laughs> yeah, it's like very expository. It's like, yeah, well, as you know, like Teresa hates <laughs> Melissa and she wanted me to say she was a stripper because she brought her sprinkle cookies and everyone knows that Teresa prefers <laughs> pinot. You know, it's like... Why are you telling us all this? Like, we don't, oh, my mother's Pizzelli's. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, my mother's Pizzelli's. Ah, uh, <laughs> the Pizzelli's. Yeah. It is very, the whole thing is weird. It just feels very clean where, and then suddenly we get like, ding, ding, Jacqueline's Blackberry goes off and she starts getting these texts from a mutual friend saying that drama's going to go down. And then suddenly, like, Melissa's on the phone to Joe Gorga and he and Richie arrive and it feels like five minutes and they're yeah. just suddenly there. And, it just all, and they're all mic'd up and ready to go. It just all feels a bit 
set up Staged. and orchestrated. Totally. But not in the way that they're alleging. No, totally. And I don't know, maybe it all seems to be pointing at... Ter- like, yes, the, the arrows are pointing at Teresa and maybe it is a case of Occam's razor and it's just as simple as that. But Teresa doesn't seem to be acting in a way that... I don't think Teresa is a good enough liar. So without giving anything away... Teresa gets caught in a major lie many seasons later and it's really damning and there's no getting out of it. And she immediately, when she's confronted about that, she looks like a deer in headlights and she's like, and then just eventually just fesses up to everything pretty much on the spot. There's no even attempt to lie or spin it. She's like, well, I, I I thought it would be, you know, and I would have expected the same thing here, which makes me think, I don't know. It's so I don't know. To me, it feels like, I think Teresa knew that something was going to go down involving Melissa and she didn't stop it. And I think she let it happen for the show. So I don't think she knew, for instance, what Angelo was going to say, which is why I think she's so inarticulate in those moments, because I think she's actually very bad at it. Effectively, it's all like an improv game and Teresa's mm-hmm. just terrible at improv. So she just constantly goes like, ah, or just keeps saying the same thing about her heart going or whatever. I almost feel like Melissa also knew that she was going to be the target of something. Yeah. Which is why Joe and Richie were on standby, which is why she has quite like a stage reaction. So I think both are true. Yeah. And I think the only person who knew what was going to happen is like Kim D and Angelo. And I think that like everyone's a bit guilty. Everyone knows that something's up hilariously apart from Kathy. She's Kathy, just like, of course. She's like, no one's telling me anything. So I'm just going to sit here and eat my salad, I guess. <laughs> and also when she's like, when Teresa's like, oh my God, my heart's going so bad. And she's like, why you have too much coffee today? <laughs> what, drink too much coffee? <laughs> so innocent. And then says it again. And Teresa's like, oh, just, you just have too much coffee. coffee? Is, is, that, that it? is that what it was? Oh, Cassie. It's such an on-brand season end for Cathy, considering she's just constantly getting rebuffed and left out of toasts and just being ignored by the other women. Exactly, but she's basically not even allowed to be a part of any of the drama. She's just there being like, let me in. Like, let me at least be part of, like what's happening and it is like you said before it feels like a reflection on her job security as well because it's like at that point you're like i hate it they must have had a a meeting with the producers this must have been on the call sheet like why did no one tell me and it feels like every time to anyone she's like what's this it's like they're like oh it doesn't like uh, i'll explain later or whatever it's like it's like she's that kid that's like what are we talking about and someone's like i know and it's it's just like oh Oh, cat so we get these amazing moments with these very like famous ends to this stripper gate where Joe Gorga going for Kim D and their like fight on the street and him accusing her of being like a crack addict. Go blow a line. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. She's like, I act with the big uh, boys. And she's like, I, I play with the I big play. boys. <laughs> I'm going to use that line. The next yeah. time someone goes for me, oh, I play with the play big with boys. The big boys. <laughs> And you also have the amazing, amazing bit where Melissa's like, say shame. Oh. <laughs> it's such a Lady Macbeth moment. It's, I've never liked Melissa more say when she's, it, she's say in the car. Say, say shame. Shame. Say shame. On. Say, say it. Say shame. <laughs> on. <laughs> Just coaching her husband on how to call his sister a piece of shit, basically. It's so good. So funny. Say shame, Say shame on you. Say it. 
And of course, Teresa's amazing 180 of like, well, I'm being set up, and maybe you're, maybe you had something. Someone's trying to set me up, and you were involved. And then Jacqueline's jaw drops to the floor. And Jacqueline's thing, which is like, you're disgusting. Yeah. That's disgusting. You're scum. (laughs) How dare you? Beast. Beast. Oh my god, I forgot about that. How dare you? (laughs) How dare you? (laughs) Maybe someone was trying to set me up, and maybe you were involved. Don't shush me. You beast. <laughs> Kim, how dare you? Oh. Um, it's outrageous. So, so yes. the season ends with where we ha- left that. They do it really the well. last season's reunion, which is that post this all happening, Jacqueline couldn't face Teresa. And it is crazy to realise that the filming wasn't, it wasn't like they were halfway through filming. No. That we literally get the reunion for this season straight after this happening but that they were doing last reunion straight after this happened that doesn't make any sense to me like i get them having to do if they're going to do back-to-back filming they'd film a reunion while they're filming but film it in the middle or somewhere i know it's weird isn't it it is weird and from reading the not all diamonds and rose book andy admits this was the only time they ever attempted doing this back-to-back filming across any of the franchises and it was a complete disaster and they're never going to do it again yay so really spicy place we find ourselves in as we go into this reunion and the upside of this back-to-back filming and everything sort of being on top of each other for like a whole year and a half is that we then get a lot of space between the cameras going down at the end of the posh fashion show and then going and up the again for this reunion. A whole year has passed Isn't that by. insane? So it's like they did that the is. last reunion straight after and then they leave a year yeah. for this one. And yeah. like half of, like none of them have spoken. None of them have spoken. You really feel as though all of the women have just been sitting and stewing and grinding stewing, their axes. Yeah. Especially Jacqueline, because Jacqueline's missed out on the reunion already. Exactly. So she's got extra. And she has you know, so much to say. Like, yeah, exactly. It's the most fired up reunion, I think, of, of no, actually, I was going to say of Maybe that, well, that in season two. True. And I think season two was similarly fired up. And I think, again, there was like a similar lapse in time. I remember because it started with the whole like, None of the women have seen Danielle for over a year. <laughs> or been under the roof, the same roof together. Because of her high-flying music career. <laughs> Which I'm not knocking because the girl is good. She's got pipes. She, she can sing. But that reunion, there was, uh, similarly to that reunion as well, there was just like one clear punching bag that everyone just dogpiled on. Except this time the punching bag is... Teresa. Yeah, but it's like the punching bag punches back constantly. Yeah, I mean, I can't wait to sort of sink our teeth into her technique in terms of fighting because she kind of is... Get into it. Talk to me about it. Well, I think that she's impervious to everyone's attack. Like, it is insane. It's just like a three-parter, a legitimate, well-deserved three-part reunion where Mm -hmm. it's all four of the women on Teresa's back the whole time. And then not only that, but it's just like a parade of guests that we have coming in to also call Teresa a piece of shit. (laughs) It's like she's like in the stocks and it's just like, Lauren, come out. And then Lauren comes out and just like pelts her with rotten tomatoes. And then it's like, Rosie, come out. And then Rosie does the same. And then all the husbands come out and like call her a piece of shit as well and she's just completely unmoved by it and yet weirdly i come out with no sympathy for Teresa whatsoever well i think talking about the vernacular that people use who are sort of like quote unquote 
Teresa stands or people who sympathize with Teresa. I've seen a lot of it on Twitter when people talk about this reunion, but people like to frame it as everyone was coming for the Queen Teresa and she ate them up no problem. And it's like, that sort of implies that she had some sort of rhetorical dexterity, which I don't think she has. (laughs) I think it's just, she's so stupid. I don't think even when they get her with points, she doesn't. So like the perfect moment where Lauren's like, what does napalm mean? Spell it. Yeah. Use it in your blog. Spell napalm right now. And Teresa does have a moment of like, <laughs> but it's like, she's so dumb. She doesn't realize that she's been caught out or that it's as embarrassing a blow as it should yeah. be. So she's sort of just unbothered, but not through a thick skin. It's just, yeah, she, it just doesn't really register. But also she just doesn't listen. So it's like that whole bit when Carolyn's trying to talk to her and she keeps just going like, wow. Wow, oh, my dad, when so... my dad hears, or whatever. And it's just, and they're being like, Teresa, Teresa. And she's like, wow, wow. And Carolyn, and then she's like, I've, I've forgot it. Wow, wow. And you're just like, that's not, that's not beating someone. No, it's the most existential the show ever gets at that moment where Caroline is saying, you're at a fork in the road right now. It's not too late. Yeah. But if you go down this path, you're going to isolate all your family. There's going to be no one at your funeral. The fans aren't going to be at the funeral apart from me and Ellie. Yeah. And then, yeah, of course, Teresa doesn't, it's just, wow, Kathy, you're garbage. Wow. You wow. ruined the family. Garbage. Wow. That's my dad. Ugh. Shut up. Oh my God. And when she's like, when my mother here, when my mother is, my, my mother, you're just, oh, wow. Oh, oh. We have to talk about Rosie as well. Oh, yeah. So Rosie's like, I love it. Rosie's, so basically, so what happens is, it's the same moment. If you could go out with anyone from yeah. the whole of Housewives, surely it's got to be Rosie. She's the best. To go out for like a night out, go out to the yeah. Abbey with. Yeah. Oh, completely. I mean, th- it slightly unnerves me how she does just like fall into a complete blind rage and we're like... But that's like Dorinda. But I love that she doesn't seem to stay in a rage for the whole night where I feel like if you can just weather it for like 30 seconds, she like comes out that side where she's like, oh, I hurt my hand or whatever. Like she's just like... She'll like break some glass and like <laughs> thrust it in your face. And as long as you're good and like chase her off for that 30 seconds, then she'll be like, no, we're good. Come here. Yeah, I yes, love yeah. that. I love you. I love her. (laughs) And then you'll be having cigars in the back with her. Yeah, no, she's great. I love Rosie. So what happens is Teresa and Kathy are arguing. And I think Teresa is implying that Teresa's dad was like a second father to Kathy and Rosie Mm. because their father was so absent. It's very unclear, but like negligent or away. But she like fully goes for their dad first. Yeah, completely. He's also dead. Yeah, it goes. They says he's like a negligent shit father who's dead. And then Kathy's like, your mom's a liar. And then that's apparently the straw that breaks the camel's back and the thing that's going to tear apart the family. Yeah. (laughs) So then that obviously sets off Rosie because she hears this and she's backstage. And And they're like, Rosie's going to kill her. She's she's like, Rosie will kill her. And she's like muttering under her breath. And then it gets like increasingly louder and louder. And then it's just her fully just It's very well edited. Rather than cutting to her, they just... Shut the fucking head off! She better watch her fucking tongue! Stop cutting right the fuck out! I'll rip her fucking head off! I swear to Christ! I don't care if I get locked up. It's very, it gets very operatic again, though. It's like very like. (laughs) (laughs) 
It's the passion. <laughs> it's like very animalistic. Like she's kind of like King Kong-esque though as well. That one shot we have of her and she's like really pacing. <laughs> she's, like, she's got real strut and it's like she's going to burst out onto the set, swoop up Teresa, climb up to the top of the Empire State Building. <laughs> or the top of the Borgata Hotel Casino and Spa, sorry. And then just like throw her off the top. <laughs> <laughs> it's also a great example of oh. the um like the contrast in the timbre that we talk about often with the, mm. the thing of Teresa going who's yelling and then Kathy going you know who's yelling <laughs> <laughs> like how blousey so and casual Kathy is the whole time yeah. but like this is just a completely regular occurrence in the Wheatley yeah. household I love it and I also love the face that Teresa pulls it's a very similar face here to the one she pulls when um Caroline ambushes her during that fight with Jacqueline where she has yeah. the iced coffee and she's like, why are you screaming? She's kind of like got her arms in. She looks like a girl in, I'm trying to describe the face. She looks Good. like a girl in, the final girl in a scary movie in like the haunted house and she just hears like a door creak behind her and the look is like, oh. <laughs> and she like slowly turns her head. It's a similar gormless, bewildered face she pulls here. It's a beautiful lay motif throughout New Jersey, oh. just pulling these faces to disembodied voices off screen. Stunning. Anything you want to say about Rosie's? No, I was, I was she... just, I was really enjoying your impression. I just had a good Thank you. <laughs> it was stunning. It really fucks up her vocal cords, though, because as soon when she comes out, she's like, but this reunion fucks up all their vocal cords. At the end, Teresa yeah, can't oh, speak because yeah. she spent the she whole thing yeah. being like, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> like, it's just yeah, it completely. The worst. It's it's definitely an occupational hazard of being on this show because Rosie comes out and she's suddenly really squeaky. She's like, "Are you kidding me?" <laughs> <laughs> and also, um, Melissa has that famous bit when she's like, "You don't get to be the victim. Guess who mm. the victim is? Me." Oh. It's very theatrical that bit. She shouldn't be yelling because she's going to sing. I can't remember the song that she sings, but when she's like, "No, I can sing. I can sing right now." Okay, I, I was nervous, but you know, I can say I actually but like kudos to her for being like yeah. I was nervous. Like I love that she owns that she's just like, sure, it's not amazing, but like I do say whatever. And then Teresa's just it really bugs me that bit when she's like, on display, on display. See, I can sing too. Or whatever. It's just like, oh fuck like, you. No, you can't. <laughs> like none of you can really sing, but still fuck you. Teresa and Melissa have a really funny back and forth where I think what makes this reunion so dynamic just as a on a macro level is it's very it's very textured and that there's always multiple comments going on at once Mm. so it's like a symphony of screeching like that's the melody there's Mm -hmm. always one woman like normally Jacqueline yelling or Teresa Mm -hmm. and then it's harmonized by these like little side conversations that are muttered under the breath and Melissa and Teresa they have all of them you know like when they're talking about People magazine and Melissa says that they don't pay you to do People magazine unless you're Jennifer Aniston and then you yeah. just hear Teresa go, how do you know? And then Melissa's like, because I know. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get, when she when Teresa says that Melissa wore glitter eyeshadow, and she's like, I wore glitter eyeshadow last year, you wackadoo. <laughs> I, wore, I wore it. You wackadoo. Yeah, anyway, so good. They're just but also like it's so ludicrous. They all wear fucking glitter eyeshadow. It's so stupid. I know, yeah, it's like, stupid, Not just yeah. on New Jersey, on every reunion of Housewives. <laughs> like, shut yeah. up. Shut up. Yeah, Teresa... Melissa, it's not even about like going for it. It's just anytime Melissa speaks, that thing where it's just like Teresa just asks her not to speak and Melissa has to constantly make the point of being like, I'm on this show. Like we're yeah. having a conversation and it's just, uh, I just, uh, Teresa drives me mad in this reunion. It's such an annoying reunion trope where it's like, I wasn't talking to you. 
or like nobody asked you and it's like no and but it's Andy like, yeah, did that's like the that's show. why we exactly yeah so then the men come out and we had the amazing thing as well of the stripper conversation when Chris Dorita says the amazing thing where he's like we're talking about strippers and we're talking about serial killers right <laughs> yeah and we find out that actually like Joe Gorga was a stripper and proudly and, and yeah no one cares or they think it's no one yeah, cares exactly fine. yeah but also I love the point Melissa keeps making it being like okay say I was a stripper now what no one cares so what's your point yeah what is it you want? But then you know that Teresa would just be like, well, I, I'm just saying, like, you're, I, I'm just saying, you're a stripper. <laughs> <laughs> ah. <laughs> Teresa. Oh, I love when all the husbands are out there. It just, just descend into all the men going like, you're bum, you're garbage, <laughs> you're bum, you're scum. Go scratch. Go, you, you go scratch. You go scratch. You go scratch. I'll go scratch. It does feel like the beginning of a movie that's set in like 1940s New York. And it's like all the women hanging up the washing out of the windows. <laughs> and they're just like yelling at each other. It's like, ah, bafangu, huh? Like, <laughs> what's the matter with you? Forget about it. You go scratch, you bum. Oh God, yeah, of your course. Bum. Joe Judice comes out and like does a very, very poor, um, <sighs> he and Teresa do a very sort of rehearsed seeming I did not have sexual relations with that yeah. kind of like it was a work partner. He also the way that it's like if I was having an affair, do you think I'd be stupid enough to talk about it on on mic? And it's like right. yes, yes, I think that's exactly yes. what happened. And I think you've <laughs> nice been clever to go yes. exactly <laughs> to be like sure if, of, if I was having an affair, would I say it when I was mic'd up? Right, and they're like impenetrable. <laughs> Yeah, it very much feels like a politician who's committed an indiscretion and his wife mm. just has to sit there with a plastered on smile. Teresa's dripping in these diamonds that he's bought her as an apology yeah. for calling her a see you next Tuesday. Sorry, I didn't mean to say <laughs> Ellie, it. vulgar. This is a family show. I'm sorry. <laughs> I really enjoyed last week when you said see you next Tuesday and I just spelt it. And then I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I don't know. It's just it's something so interesting about the image of her wearing the jewels that he bought her as an apology to the reunion it's like she's decorating herself with his betrayal war medals <laughs> well, yeah it is it's like this is for when he called me uh, see you next tuesday <laughs> this is when he cheated on me the first time this brooch is from when i caught him having sex with the secretary on his desk exactly but Teresa seems to believe it she seems to sort of buy his explanation and i don't think it's just a case of them putting on a united front for this performance because even now in later seasons, she seems to think that Joe's never cheated on her. She still she still keeps up that talk of, well, if I caught my husband cheating on me, I'd cut his dick off. And it's like, but he has. Yeah. But I guess what other option does Teresa have? As we said last yeah. week, if she doesn't have Joe, then she has nothing. And it's kind of great that Joe is here because not only she needs an ally, it's the only ally she has, but also he is like the only person that makes Teresa look better because... He's awful. Fucking awful. I love the bit when they're all arguing and he's basically like, we wrapped us up so I could go. He's, he's just like... He's so gassy he's and uncomfortable. So funny that he's basically like, yo, Andy, <laughs> want to get out of here? A lot of fucking bull. This is. I don't want to be here. Oh, so what? Who cares? It's fucking bull. <laughs> That's good. Oh, don't worry about it. That's very good. Thank you. Very good. <laughs> I am the impressionist. Oh. 
I love the bit where Andy says to Caroline, he reads out that viewer mail and it's like, Caroline, you're a bitter ginger with a twist of lemon face. And it just cuts to Caroline with a twist of lemon face. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Her brow is so furrowed. She's very unimpressed. Oh, there's so many good moments here. I feel like we really whirled over, um, really whirled over. We really passed over when Lauren appears, but it's very, I think it just needs emphasizing. It's a great drive-by shooting of a yeah. reunion performance. She comes out, she's in this little pleather dress. She has lost a lot of weight and she's feeling herself and she calls Teresa a dickhead, asks her to spell napalm and then she leaves. <laughs> it's like, ah, perfect. Mm. Macy said, didn't she, that the napalm moment of like, spell it, is very like the jinx with the misspelling of Beverly. Yes, yeah. And it's like completely caught Teresa out. But like I said, she just doesn't, she just, it's this like bullheaded, dogged sticking to her narrative and this technique of like, nah, nah, until the other person just tires of fighting. Gives up. Her. That's the thing is, she doesn't like, she doesn't eviscerate them or anything. She's just, she no. tires everyone out. Teresa, in this sense, on reunions, and in general, just her arguing style, it does remind me a bit of Lisa Vanderpump's in that it's that they both adopt the same technique of just deny, 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 mm. don't admit anything. Because if you admit to one small fault with one the small whole element, house of cards the whole thing yeah, yeah, yeah. apart. And in yeah. both cases, people are just like, oh, okay, well, you're just, yeah, all right. I guess Lisa's just more articulate and funnier and less annoying right. to listen to. Teresa's like the chaotic evil version of Lisa Vanderpump's neutral evil. Yeah. Is that how I use the meme? The meme? You did it great. You did great. Uh, the thanks. meme. Cheers. Do you have anything else on the reunion? Uh, let me... Rosie should have been made a housewife. Maybe she was just too ahead of her time, but I think it would have made for a really... It would have been really interesting having an out lesbian housewife Mm, and one it would have been like a natural organic progression but unfortunately that ship has sailed i totally agree and i think that it made it almost a weird statement that they kept her a supporting character as if she was only there for comedy value yeah yeah it really diminished the potential that she she could have had totally and i think the most memorable thing about rosie was that scene where she comes out to her niece and nephew yeah really totally it's so good powerful scene yeah I don't have anything more specific to say, but I guess it's just another continuation of Jacqueline is just fully on a one-way train to... Yeah, she's relentless. Yeah. Yeah. She's relentless. And I think she'd probably be the first person to admit that, like, it's why a show like this isn't really good for her, because it gives an outlet for Mm -hmm. her to obsess and to to keep something alive where she'd probably get over it quite fast if it was just life. But the problem with a show like this is it's asking them all to stay in that place for a year to come back yeah. and do the reunion rather than most normal people. If something like this happened, you then deal with it, you work through it. And a year later, you're like, oh yeah, I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah. And I think that's, I can't imagine what it's like for the people on the show to be like, no, no, we need you to sit in that argument. No, no, we need you to be annoyed about that thing. We need you to be upset. Especially because if you are arguing with Teresa, and I'm sorry, anyone, I don't want it to just be like, I'm just piling on Teresa all the time. But it mm. seems to be, It's hard enough when you do these shows where you have your initial argument and then you stew in it and then you have a summit where you 
make up or you move forward or the argument mm-hmm. progresses in some way and then maybe it reopens an old wound at the reunion but you're still picking apart the progression of the argument whereas with Teresa you try and do that something like the um Kathy saying that she took Adriana out of the baptism brawl yeah yeah they've litigated that argument again and again and again and there seems to be a moment where like Teresa will it will get through to her what Kathy meant by that mm-hmm. and then even now to this day I think even in the Diamonds and Rosé book it comes back to that comment that she made and how could she say that about her as a mother? And it's just... Mad. 10 years later, 10 years. And it's the same thought process as it was that very... That that moment. When Kathy made that first statement, that was the nail in the coffin and she'd only just started the show. It's quite mind-blowing. Crazy. I think it would be appropriate to just briefly mention that prediction, quote-unquote, that Caroline makes in her talking head about Joe going to prison because mm-hmm. we didn't really talk about it during the season, but it comes up again in the reunion. And I feel like Caroline's frustration is that no one understood what she was getting at when she says, like, prediction. Something happens where somebody needs to maybe go away for a while. And then Teresa will learn that can be a strong, independent woman and I can set a good example for my daughters. There's a book in there somewhere. You heard it here first. Mm-hmm. That talking head has kind of become quite infamous and grown and expanded over time in the lore of New Jersey to become this oracle-esque moment where Caroline predicted that Joe and Teresa were going to go to prison. And Teresa, again, being Teresa, just completely misses the hidden meaning, much like mm-hmm. the thing about your funeral, no one's going to be there, in favor of harping on this idea, this very literal idea that Caroline knew that Joe was going to go to prison and like, well, she must have known something. So she must have, <laughs> like, then, so she ratted them out. Like, she genuinely believes that yeah. Caroline did that. And yeah, you feel her frustration when she's trying to explain what she's actually saying, where it's sort of like a sense of tough love, but you can break yes, through yeah, this yeah. glass ceiling, as it were. And it will ultimately be for the greater good. So yeah, a long gargantuan season. A lot happens. I know, followed by a very short season, which is why very, I'm hoping that next week will be a... I think this will be a one episode one. Yeah, partly because we get into a bit of a broken record thing. So I think... Because the show gets into a broken like record we cover thing. that ground. Totally, totally. It's why I've actually kind of really stalled to a, a, a halt with the show because it becomes very boring to watch when it's just the same thing over and over and over. Mm-hmm. Um, and it needs a sort of kick out of the mud. They should have added a new lady, I think, for yeah, season five. Yeah, absolutely. I think that would have helped mightily. More on but season yes. five next week. Woo! Mm. Thank you for joining us this week on the Housewives Archives. Make sure to click subscribe so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, we would really appreciate a rating, or if you'd simply tell your friends about the show, that would help us out too. Thank you for joining, and we'll see you next time. Bye! Bye.